Welcome to the Chick Monks Podcast, where we explore contemplative Christianity from a feminine perspective. I'm your host, Heather Lawrence. Let's get to it. Hey, Chick Monks. I've got another homily for you. I hope you're ready. We're going back in time just a little bit today because this homily is from All Saints Sunday. All Saints is one of the three, what I like to call sacred spooky days at the end of October and beginning of November, where the veil thins between this material realm and the beyond. So those days are Halloween, All Saints, and All Souls. And they all remind us in their own way through rituals and ofrendas and costumes and prayers that we are a small part of a much larger story, this capital L life that we take our tiny part in. Why do I like to tell you when these sermons were originally preached? Because I think you care. No, I know you do not care when they came from, but it's because I think that the rhythms of the year are sacred and deeply important and something that our society has disconnected us from. And so that's one thing I actually really like about religion. Religious calendars and observance can not only orient us in time, but they also structure our attention so that we know when we're observing these calendars that we will have seasons to do things like remember those who came before us and to celebrate and to reflect inward and on and on. I like this structure and I like sharing it with you because it's a big influence on how I write what I do, and you're listening, so you deserve to know. And maybe you will benefit from it too. So now I invite you to take a deep breath in and out and hear this reading from the book of Luke. Jesus looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor. For yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day, and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven. For that is what the ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. But I say to you that, listen, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods... Do not ask for them again. 
do to others as you would have them do to you. Interestingly, this reading is just the opener to Jesus' sermon here in the book of Luke. It's called the Sermon on the Plain. And he starts off by addressing the deepest suffering of the masses around him and flips their world upside down. What an opener. In the verses just before this in Luke's gospel, Jesus was on top of a mountain where he appointed the 12 apostles. And then together they all descended the mountain to meet the rest of his disciples, who are already kind of a crowd. And then another massive crowd who came to him from all over for healing. Luke tells the story like this. He says, Jesus stood on a level place and the power came out from him and he healed all of them. And then he looked at his disciples above him and began to teach them about the path to God. Blessed are you who are humbled by life, for the realm of God is available to you. Blessed are you who hunger and crave, for you will know what it is to be satisfied. Blessed are you with the courage to lament and weep aloud for the pain of this life. For you will find laughter even in your sorrow. And you are blessed when other people hate you, reject you, insult you, cancel you because you follow the way of love. Let it be an encouragement to you if this happens because this is how people always treat their prophets and truth speakers. You may be misunderstood now, but your reward is far beyond this material realm. Do you see what's happening here? Jesus is taking every experience of pain and bringing it to life. He's breathing into each pain the presence of God. He's encouraging his disciples not to back away from the intense experiences of life. Christ encourages those in humble conditions to seek the realm of God in ways that we cannot when we believe things are working just fine as they are because they're working for us. Christ shows them that when they feel hunger, desires, longings, these are all blessed. These signals from our bodies lead us to life and show us what we love. They're sacred. Jesus tells them not to shy away from their sorrow, to let it out, to really weep and mourn because in moving through the depths of grief and pain, we open pathways in our hearts to more love. We find our way back to love's joy and laughter, even when we're hurting. Here, Jesus reaches down to the bottom. He picks up the people who feel like they are in the very pits of life. Written off, outcast, ignored, stigmatized, 
he scoops them up and brings them right up to this level place with him as the blessed ones. And in this version of the Beatitudes, Jesus doesn't stop there. He's got some warnings to issue. This is unique to Luke's telling of this sermon. You've probably heard the Beatitudes as part of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew. And this Sermon on the Plain is similar, but different. So he has these warnings to add to the Beatitudes. And the warnings are mostly to those who have found their contentment in their circumstances. Woe to you, he says. Be warned, those of you who are comfortable with things as they are. Because in the realm of God, all of that's going to change. Everything is going to change. That is the only constant in life, right? You who laugh now one day will weep. You with full bellies will soon be hungry. Beware depending so heavily on your own power and wealth that you resist the Holy Spirit's winds of change. Or you might miss the realm of God altogether. So here Jesus reaches up to the people on top in society, and he pulls them right down to this level place with him. Here, together, at this level place, Jesus shows all of his disciples what the realm of God is like. He's leveled the playing field, where the people on the bottom don't have to scramble to lift themselves up anymore, and where people on top don't have to be afraid of falling and losing rank anymore, where the whole hierarchy of status and power is turned on its side. Imagining a world where there is no norm of climbing the ladder to have power over another, where the power is shared, there is no ladder at all. Standing at this level place, we remember that we are, each of us, equal, tiny, fleeting organisms in the grand scheme of this expansive universe. We are each a remarkable expression of that capital L life that brought us into existence and will continue on after us. I think each of us is born with the seed of sainthood planted in our hearts, the seed of holiness. And every time we receive love from another, that seed blossoms into life. And we fulfill our unique expression of that life a little bit more wholly, fully. Every exchange of love causes us to grow toward God, to grow toward our source, because it connects us to the life and love of all beings. You know, each of us is one of almost 8 billion humans alive on earth today. And we are a part of the 117 billion people who have ever lived. No two ever the same, expressing the diversity of Christ. 
and no one worth more than another. Expressing the equity of Christ. But this equity and diversity obviously isn't reflected in our world. Our society functions on a body hierarchy. If this is a new concept to you, you can go back and listen to episode 28, where Betsy Coughlin introduces this idea on the podcast. And also, I've personally learned a lot about this topic from Sonia Renee Taylor, and I can't recommend her teachings highly enough. But the idea is this. We have a hierarchy in our culture of bodies, where some bodies are more valuable than others. And the bodies on the top get to direct the culture. Every physical body falls in a sort of rank in this system where ethnicity, gender, age, and physical and mental ability all factor into where one falls in importance to our culture. What if we turned this hierarchy on its side and we met Jesus on this level ground? What would change? What if we challenged our assumptions that the best ideas come from the top? What if we value the countless other perspectives of those who have stood in a different position in this hierarchy? We are each a small part of this same greater whole. Humans make up one-tenth of one percent of life on earth. In Western thought, we humans are at the top of a hierarchy of beings on this planet right? What if we turned this on its side and we humbled ourselves on level ground, level with the birds and the trees, the coral and oceans? What would change? Everyone would have clean water and a safe place to sleep the global temperature would stabilize and the ice caps would recover their mass. The birds would fill the air with their songs and forests would grow old and wild. Soil would come back to life. Differences in culture, gender, and giftedness would be celebrated. We would sing each other's songs and tell each other's stories. Our lives, our communities, our wisdom would be part of earth, not separate from her. We would join the number who have offered their lives to bring this realm of perfect love to fruition on earth. May it be so.